0: So normally we talk about the coming of the Magi after Christmas, but we're going to talk about it now. you ever been to something, uh, you know, to an event or something that happened and you hear somebody telling about it afterwards and you go, I think we were at different things? you ever sort of have that experience? Or you were at a meeting or something and somebody reports back and you go, I don't know where you were, but this is what I got from it. It was totally different. I've kind of been wondering whether... Joseph and Mary and some of the people around the Christmas events might have might turn up on our events and go, I don't know where you were, but it is not like that at all. Because I suspect, and 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 I, I hope today that after today that you you know I'm trying, I I'm, I'm sort of convicted over this Christmas season uh, that God wants us to grow up and be bold, and He wants us to understand that He's great and He's good, but He's um, he doesn't live with his head in the sand. And he sent his son to deal with evil. As I was writing trail notes this week there was, and introducing it, there was a word struck me which was, there is no manifestation of good or evil in the world that does not first have to go through the human heart. None. There's no abstraction of evil. There's no abstraction of good. It all comes through the human heart. And it's one of the reasons why worship is about opening your heart to God. Asking God to cleanse your heart because the ability to do damage is in each of us. The people who are most radical, the people who are most uh, psychopathic started as children. They started as babies. They started as innocent. And so there's an element of the human heart is, is deeply capable of incredible good and incredible evil. And so it matters how we live. It matters how we see things. It matters how we love and are loved. It impacts Somebody else would say and contend that the greatest problem in the world throughout history, the reason why evil has prevailed for so much of our history is because people in the middle do nothing. There's a huge silent majority who just want to keep life comfortable and so evil just releases. And God came in and and basically so loved the world that he sent his son. And We're going to talk about the Magi, um, but... In this book that you're going to get, what they do, what they've done uh, this season is they've taken uh, Christmas movies and, and just said, you know, th- this Christmas movie talks about hope. The one for this week is, um, wishing, uh, what is it? I actually watched it. I got it off iTunes. I'd never seen it. It's a more than a wonderful life. Anybody seen that movie? Well, get it off iTunes. Yeah, some of the older people like me have seen it, right. It's about, uh, who is it about? It's about a guy called George Bailey who uh, lives in this little town in the States and uh, he tries to do good and he tries to be faithful and he comes up against some big exploiting uh, guy and and he comes to the place, he has the nice home and he has the nice children and he comes to the place where he just gets despairing and he goes to the bridge and he's going to jump off on Christmas Eve and he says, oh God, you know, I kind of give up and an angel appears in the form of an older man and 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 says uh, and and rescues him and and he he shows him the impact that his life has had on people and and he's quite staggered because george bailey said i wish i'd never existed so they granted him the wish he didn't exist so he goes home and there's no home and and he goes to people who kno- they know he knows and they don't recognize him and the the point of it is that he's actually had a great impact and um but the why, they sh- why they're doing this is because people go back to these movies every Christmas and they get nostalgic about them and, and it's about hope but ultimately it's saying George Bailey's sort of hope was and his desire for hope is what is universal. The reason why people watch these movies is because there's something in them that resonates and says, you know, I know what it's like to feel hopeless or what, what's the point and we, we come to one over Christmas, Jesus, who says, I am hope that with me, There is life. There is hope. And sometimes when we're without hope, when there's no hope, I place myself in the hands of one. And I want to talk about the major and I want to talk about Jesus and Mary and Joseph and say if they did not learn how to trust in the hope and faithfulness of God, um, nothing would have happened. But I'm also speaking about it because I think we have this fantasy that knowing God means that there's never going to be trouble or knowing God is easy for you because you are a pastor, or you are this, or you are that, and I'm just not like that. I'm not good enough. You know all that nonsense we speak, disclaiming. I'm, I'm just not spiritual. I, I, I'm not in tune. And those are all lies. Let's just go to the uh, Magi, and then we'll come back to some other things. The Magi were from the east, and they followed a star to the to Bethlehem because they believed a king was born. This is what somebody said about them. You know, I grew up with, you know, we three kings of Orient are. Bearing gifts, we travel so far. And all the little children will walk in with crowns on their head. And isn't that sweet? And these kings came and they knelt at Jesus' feet and they worshipped him in the stable, which actually didn't exist. They didn't do that. The Magi came about 15 to 18 months later. They were from the east and they they were very powerful people. The Magi were highly respected. Um, I'll read because it's easier to do this on on this. The main occupation of the Magi was the interpretation of things they considered divine. They principally dealt with the evaluation of dreams, visions, and astronomical signs. Astrological interpretation was of special importance to them. In particular, they were advisors to kings and princes, and they were specially consulted regarding the destinies of kings. The Parthian kings of the East had them as their advisors, and they were the ones who performed the ceremonies of their coronation. I mean, these weren't small fry. This is interesting remember this period was time was when astrological interpretations made by first class professionals were looked on as valid scientific indications of impending events so confident was the Roman government about such matters that some 60 years before the Roman Senate ordered that all baby boys must not be allowed to live in 63 BCE when astrological and prodigious forecasts had determined a king of the Romans was to be born This early event would have been well known to Herod and the people throughout the Roman Empire. To secure its supposed validity in the opinion of the people at the time, Augustus Caesar was indeed born in that very year. Herod must have felt a great deal of uneasiness when similar prognostications, which means similar things, were forecast. So when the Magi came into town, it wasn't in dressing gowns, it was a huge entourage of royalty. When they came into town, the whole of Jerusalem knew about it, because they came with an entourage. They're probably 150 people. Camels and gifts and all kinds of things. They've been traveling. and So some see- So you hear this and you go, wow, Jesus, they came because they saw the star. And they came to verify. They're not even Christian. Christian doesn't exist at this point. But one of the things you get is God appeared to them because they were people who read the stars. And one of the things we are can just think about later on, but, but be encouraged. God speaks to you in whatever language will get your attention. And because Jesus was coming for the whole world, he included even in the message of his coming those who didn't know him. But their hearts were open because they were looking for meaning. And they looked for meaning as best they knew in the heavens, in the stars. And so a star appeared that would lead them to the one who would be the revelation of the fullness of all the meaning they were looking for. As somebody says, wise men slow travel. Signs of God are always to lead us to Jesus. And so these guys, they, began to, they, they moved and they have traveled to Jerusalem. And the whole of Jerusalem was a buzz about this entourage that had come. And people would say, well, this is a validation. God was bringing the scientists of the time to Jesus to verify that he is truly the Son of God. I think all God was doing was opening up the doors to all people of all persuasions. And so these men came... And they came to to, to Jerusalem and they came to see Herod. And Herod was very threatened by them. When he heard that they had come, they said, where is the king? Listen to the detail. They saw a star and they followed it. They came to Jerusalem and they saw Herod. And the fact they had an audience with Herod and the priests and the teachers of the, the city meant that they had a lot of respect, held a lot of respect and influence. But they didn't know where to go. Some of us want blueprints into the future you'll get the next step follow the star then ask for help read the subtext it's powerful some of us are wanting god to lay out everything but he says follow me and when you need to know i'll tell you how will i know i'll talk to you i'll speak loud enough for you to hear if your heart is open i'll speak through a friend a book a dream who knows trust me and you'll get to the point where you just walk and you, t- you you trust what will happen as it happens So they came to Jerusalem and they asked. They didn't stay there and look for another star. They went to Herod. And Herod didn't really know, so he got the leaders. But he was terrified because he was remembering what we had just read about 63 BC or something. And what does he hear? He hears threat to his identity, threat to his power. The Magi don't hear threats to power. They hear curious. And one of the things about the birth of Jesus is it does threaten your power. The birth of Jesus, the announcement of God as Jesus, the announcement of God as real, threatens your independence and your ability to say, I want to be God. That's why it's preferable to keep the Magi in dressing gowns and Jesus in a manger, because I can still be God and just give him a nod and put it back in history. And so that when the Magi came into Jerusalem and they saw Herod and then they, uh, they were told by Herod after he had spoken to the teachers, he said um, he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's only about seven miles from Jerusalem. And so when the Magi heard, they, they went and camped for the night and then they went there the next morning. I remember when I, I spent five weeks there, I went down to Jerusalem, I mean to, to Bethlehem by bus to see a little Palestinian place called the, the House of Hope, which was an orphanage for Palestinian boys. I've told you this before, some of you. Um, and I got off the bus... And walked across the street and the sky was tapping along the road with a white cane and a friend of his was on his shoulder and I said to the friend of his I said could you tell me where the house of hope is the blind man turned to me and said it's just down the road about 100 meters and I said only in Bethlehem the blind man helps me to find where to go and I went into this orphanage where there's three Palestinian women all over the age of 70 one is blind one is crippled the other one can hardly walk and they run this orphanage for Palestinians I had tea with them And there was so much joy and so much presence. It was amazing. So the Magi went and they saw Jesus. Now, remember, this is 15 to 18 months after the birth of Jesus. Jesus is now 15 to 18 months old. He's starting to talk a little bit. He's starting to waddle. They might well have come in and he waddled up to them. And they said, this is the person who we've come to see. And Mary had, they've obviously stayed in Bethlehem for that time since he was born, and I guess since the time of the birth, it had been quite pleasant. They'd had a normal sort of first year and a half. This is the Son of God. I don't really know what that means. You know, Mary. Mary might have been pregnant with her second child by that stage. I'm just trying to make it real. Joseph was probably doing work, construction work, or something. And these, this entourage turns up at the door and you 've been wondering whether that was it were we dreaming or is this real and this entourage brings these gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and, and your your baby boy is kind of playing with their beards or maybe sitting on their lap i don 't know what he was doing, and they were in awe they didn 't even know why they were in awe; they just knew this was something different and then they left and they went home another way because they had got the measure of Herod, and life went back to normal, but it didn 't a year and a half of of Nurturing the baby Jesus, and then this entourage that can't be missed comes into town, and it's wonderful. Jesus is being acknowledged, but it's also what kickstarts Herod's brutality. And you go, God, why, why did the magi come in so visible? Because the result was going to be so awful. Because very soon after that, well, first of all, Joseph got a, a, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, you need to go to Egypt because there's going to be some violence here. And so they fled to Egypt. But the neighbor has a son who's 12 months old. He used to play with Jesus. And there's a knock on the door in the morning. And the soldiers of Herod come in and they grab hold of your son and they chop his head off, just making sure. There's a rumor that a king's been born. And all over the city, all over the town of Bethlehem, babies are being killed, stabbed, beheaded. Could be ISIS. And you go, Lord, Why? why does my child have to die? Because God is working out his purposes in a world that is set on doing their own thing. And why I'm doing this in a contemporary fashion is I want you to listen to a video. This is from the canon um, David White of Baghdad who now lives in Jerusalem. He spent his last 20 years anyway working with uh, Iraqi children and refugees see when Jesus and his mother and father went to Egypt they were refugees as well they were thrown out and so this was recorded nine months ago just to show you how contemporary it is if we could watch it he's actually been diagnosed with MS and he was down at Bethel in the last week most of our
1: people originate from Nineveh with his muscle and they come from there because that's really where our faith started. It started with a miserable evangelist who came over in a submarine one day, and his name was Jonah. And then another miserable person came. His name was Dalton Thomas, and he converted the Assyrians to being the followers of Yeshua. Things were bad in Baghdad and there were bombs and shootings and our people were being killed. So, so many of our people fled from Baghdad back to Nineveh, their traditional homes. It was safer. Mm. And then one day, ISIS, the Islamic state, the Islamic caliphate of Iraq, and the Levantine, or in Syria, they came in and they hounded all of them out. Not some, all of them. And they killed huge numbers. They chopped their children in half, they chopped their heads off. And they moved north. And it was just so terrible what happened. And 200 of our people are still displaced. 250,000 of our people are still displaced in the north. We used to have one and a half million Christians in Iraq. But now, do you know where the biggest Iraqi Christian community in the world is? Where is it? Chicago. So they have been fleeing over the years. And things have got so bad in Iraq. They came to one of our people the other day, one of the Christians, two days, two stories. And they said to one man, an adult, they said, either you say the words of converting to Islam or we kill all your children. He was desperate. He said the words. And then he phoned me, Abuna, Abuna. I said the words. Does that mean Yeshua doesn't love me anymore? I've always loved Yeshua, but I said those words because I couldn't see my children be killed. I said, Elias, no, Jesus still loves you. He will always love you. A few days later, another story of some of our young people Isis turned up and they said to the children you say the words that you will follow Mami and the children all under 15 for them they said no we love you sir we have always loved you sir we have always followed you sir you sir has always been with us they said say the words they said, no, we can't. They chopped all their heads off. How do you respond to that? You just cry. They're my children. That's what we have been going through. That's what we are going through. Most of my staff are still in the north of Iraq trying to look after all the displaced people. They were threatening to kill me. They were after me. They wanted that abuna from England. So the Archbishop of Canterbury said, "You've got to leave now." I can't argue with the Archbishop of Canterbury, especially as he used to be my colleague. We used to work together. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Israel now. So he wanted you to g- get out of Erbil and uh, no, he I wanted I? me to get out of Baghdad. Baghdad. What is it like, uh, is it even possible for Christians to live under ISIS right now? And no. Impossible. Mm-hmm. All no. of them have had to flee.
0: So that's within a year. That's what Christmas means. And I'm not romanticizing it because I think God gives you the courage at the time. Or, but it's, it's humbling to, to consider. Um, because I think we live in a world where God won't allow anything negative. And we actually have a God who says, greater love has no one than this to lay down their lives for a friend. And one of the reasons we're so weak in Canada is because we're so resistant to sacrifice. We're so resistant to actually counting any cost. It's not condemning. It's just saying, Lord, I don't want to be that one. I want to be the one who will stand for you and serve for you and follow you. And so the baby Jesus in the carol service that they fled to Egypt, they fled through enormous fear and suffering. The Romans were brutal. But in that context was when God came. In that context, Jesus came into the world. If I had been Jesus, I might have said, I prefer the Caribbean in the 1920s. But in the middle of the most brutal time, God came because he's a suffering God who's come to redeem and to make whole that which is broken and to touch the hearts of those who've got so corrupt. And God speaks. He speaks to people. He didn't say to, to, to um, Mary when she, he was saying she was going to become pregnant. He didn't say, this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen. He said, you're going to trust me and I'm going to reveal it to you bit by bit. So our hope is in a God who is faithful. What happens if that means my head gets cut off? Well, in the other testimony uh, that Canon White gave, he, he said, you, you know, they were, I think the father, somebody had come, had, a, had a dream. And the dream was just, I saw those four children dancing in heaven with Jesus. And he said, that's my only hope, that they are free in heaven with Jesus. So following Jesus is a lifestyle of trust and faith. So I want to finish with just four pictures for you. of Because uh, really that's what I'm talking about. The hope that says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then I don't need the blueprint. I'll follow you step by step. I wonder what he's asking um, it might be just trust me for today. Trust me with whatever it is that you're struggling with right now. Trust me with, um, with, what, you wa- w- with what you want to be doing in the future. I don't know if you, you make plans like five-year plans or this is what I'm going to do. You know Those are dangerous. It's good to have it, but hold it loosely because that could take you off very quickly. God will, I promise you, interfere with plans. Always, almost always. In fact, I wouldn't waste my time because he will. My plans are not your plans. My ways are not your ways. But the only way that God can actually show himself to us and we can know himself to be faithful is by getting specific. And so he will interrupt our lives. So when he said, take the promised land, he said, every step you take, I will be with you. Abraham left his home and he followed in faith. So we want to ask God to let, raise the level of faith for wherever our lives are going right now. I mean, I'll tell you one practical thing. It's not... Is, is, I don't know whether Cheryl and I should come back and live in Port Alberni. I'm just being very transparent with you. I mean, it's it's expensive driving back and forth. The reason for living there is no longer there. We're not sure. I don't want to leave the house I built. So I'm just saying, Lord, prepare our hearts because I am willing. I don't want to, but I am willing. And 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 so I'm just saying, Lord, show us. Rise up in us. Create some momentum. Show us the timing. And if it's meant to be, then absolutely, we will. I'm just giving you an illustration. It's, it's not like, oh, I've got to get stressed out. It's just about saying I'm willing and I'm open. See what happens. One of the things that somebody said was that God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. Lord, you know what I need. So I'm just going to leave it up to you. He won't respond to that. He will respond to you taking some responsibility, exercising some faith. So God wants you to move Do something and see where it goes. Secondly, he will speak to you. My sheep hear my voice, he says. If he can speak to Magi who didn't even know him, he can speak to you wherever you are. If you hardly know how to spell Jesus or you really love Jesus, he will speak to you because he loves you. He will speak to you through dreams. He'll speak to you through people. He will speak to you through books. He'll speak to you through movies. He'll speak to you through a fly landing on your nose. He'll speak to you. Something will Get your attention. If you want him to get your attention, he will get it. And he will also speak to you through the friends and people you have around you. Ask him that you might have ears to hear him. And the first thing he will always speak to you, by the way, is he loves you and he delights in you. and he, He's very delighted in you. The tone of God's voice is always a loving father. So it's never threatening. It's never, John, you've got to move to Borda, Bernie, right now. That's not God. There might be some of you, but it's not, it's not gone. Maybe eventually it does. Who knows? I mean, it wouldn't count it out completely. Some of us hold back because we're afraid to commit. I don't think it's anybody here, but you might know somebody who would like to hear that. Um, who, who we want this blueprint. I actually think I'm speaking to a lot of us. We want this blueprint. And the reason I'm getting really specific is because um, we're not probably going to have people knocking on the door saying, do you, do you, do you love Jesus or I'll kill you? We have people seducing us with, let's just do this, and let's just do this. And before long, Jesus isn't even in the picture. We have so many demands on our leisure time and our money that Jesus gets left behind. And then we say we are busy because we've already made the plans. And then we ask God to bless the plans we've made. And we wonder why things don't work out. So we need these moments, these seasons, these choices in order for our faith to grow. Here's another little quick quick, uh, movie. Just to kind of go, this is how it works. This is funny. This isn't. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions. But you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Kessling, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to go with me? No. (laughs) No? Why? Uh, What I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, So let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah. Give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Oh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So, let's start over. Okay. All right. Cat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say. But, um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh. No. Well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course. But I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure, Jesus? You don't understand pressure, okay? This isn't I... working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just. I didn't think it was going to be this hard. But here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Isn't that us? It's not about accusing. It's about understanding. You want Jesus? We want Jesus to work in our hearts and lives. That's what it looks like. One decision at a time. One attitude at a time. And one of the ways to start is just to say, Jesus, I want to know your love better. I want to know you in my heart, in a way that compels me to want to change. That's where you start. You don't start with guilt. Guilt is an absolute waste of time. I'm showing you this to, to talk about conviction. Conviction is, in my heart of hearts, I know what is true, but I don't know how to get there. And God says, well, lucky day, I'm here to help you. So as we go into this Advent season and we talk about hope and we talk about joy and peace, the way to get it is to just come closer to Jesus. That might mean All kinds of things. Let's stand and we're going to pray for God to make this the best Christmas ever. Do you understand that when you've given your life to Jesus and you've laid down everything before God, you can't lose? That most of our tension in life is because of the things we're trying to hold on to? If you say, Lord, it's all yours, then it doesn't matter anymore. That went down like a lead balloon. That's how freedom comes. So, Father, thank you that you held nothing back when you became human, You gave up everything. And we thank you for your message through the journey of the Magi, that you are a God who will even go through enormous suffering and violence because your love is so deeply profound for the world. We ask you to forgive us where comfort and expedience has become our measure of your love over our lives. That we think you, you love us when everything's going well and we're getting what we want. And we ask you to forgive us for sometimes being like spoiled. Brights. Lord, we want to be those who actually live for Jesus in a way that has integrity. Lord, show us where things get in the way, people get in the way, our attitudes and agendas get in the way. Help us to trust you more with our lives than anything. And so we pray for one another today. We pray for faith to rise up, that we would make journeys with you that we never thought we would. Because God's calling every single one of us to journey with him, to trust him, Let's go to the promised land. Let's go deeper. So, call faith up to believe for what we don't yet see. A hunger in us. I call up a hunger in us that says, I want more, Lord. There's got to be more meaning. I want my hope to be in you. So, Father, I ask you to release the gift of faith over my brothers and sisters faith to believe and hope that comes out of that conviction that you are faithful. So, we bless faith in one another right now. I'm going to pray for hearing. That we will have ears to hear you. I speak over anyone who has the lie that God doesn't speak to me. I break that lie in the name of Jesus. Of course he speaks to you. So I just pray that you would open up hearts and ears and eyes to hear and see you. And that you will bear witness by your spirit in our lives and hearts that that is you speaking. Because something will rise up in us, will burn in us. We will just know that we know that you are speaking. And that you are a good God who speaks even when it's hard things. So, Father, will you unblock our ears, unblock my ears, that I would hear you. And will you also unblock the attitude in me that is afraid to hear you because I'm scared of what I might hear. Your words have life and healing and truth and joy and peace and hope. Your words always come with life and blessing. So, we just pray for a hunger for your words and a confidence in your words. Give him permission in your heart to speak pray for those of us who are afraid to commit ourselves because of what might be and we just ask you to release us that we might trust you with our lives, our possessions our journey thank you for the season that we're in Father, God so loved the world that he gave his son and we pray that your spirit will rest upon us upon this house, upon our families over this Christmas season that we would encounter you Jesus in a manner that will just bring more life into us and flowing through us Thank you, Father. Thank you. And then just open your heart to God's spirit and let him pour into you whatever he wants. Like disengage your head and open your heart and say, Father, here I am. Whatever you want, I open myself to receive. He loves to give good gifts. It doesn't matter if you are aware or not. Just let him love you. Speak blessing over you in the name of Jesus right now. He's wanting to say to some of you, patience, patience, patience. Patience, patience. Do not be afraid. I am just in time, always. I'm always just in time. Don't try and make things happen. There's somebody here who you, you're you so impatient. And God says, patience. I'm just in time, always. There's fear among some about what might happen. You're afraid. You're worried right now. God speaks peace to you right now. Peace in the name of Jesus. What we're talking about today is Real. If you have to have your head cut off I will give you courage to stand there and have it cut off don't be afraid of what you don't yet know trust me trust me some of you speak to God with the what ifs all the time what if what if what if trust me I will give you words when you need them I will give you strength when you need them I will give you faith as you need it trust me I am good I am faithful and so Father we pray blessing and strength and faith to rise in this place over this Christmas season that we will declare the living God by the way we live, our confidence in Him. And in a world that is so confused, a world that is so frightened, we will be those who stand bold, courageous and firm because nothing is new under the sun. So thank you, Jesus. Let the worship team come up and uh, just bless one another. Put your hands on people's shoulders next to you. Just speak blessing in the name of Jesus. No conversations. Just bless. Just bless, bless, bless. God, Father, you will, rec- you will just release all that my brother or sister next to me needs.